0: Hello everyone and welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Everyday Podcast where we talk about resettlement, mindset and motivation. I hope you're all keeping well um, in these somewhat unique times, looking after each other and all that good stuff. Uh, Today, I've got Mr. Gary Rodford with me. Now, the reason I wanted Gary on was because I've been watching him on, not in a weird way, but... Seeing his progress on LinkedIn, was lucky enough to meet him well, a couple of months ago now. And I think he's doing everything right in terms of showing people what's on the menu on LinkedIn, um, You know, sharing his own resettlement journey. And the beauty about these conversations is that the stuff that I put out is very generic, and that's for a reason. But speaking to people like Gary, um, I think will provide a lot of value or someone like Gary, sorry, will provide a lot of value because he's actually doing it for one and it's getting up-to-date, relevant information. So Gary spent 12 years in the British Army so far and he's currently responsible for planning, um, managing and delivering the initial training in the British Army. Uh, morning, Gary. How are you?
1: Morning. I'm good, thank you. Yourself?
0: Yeah, very well. Thanks. How are you finding these times at the moment? It's probably the, the first and most important question. Family safe and well? Are you okay? Yeah, all
1: good, thank you. Everybody's safe and well. Um, actually busy as ever with, uh, with with working from home and, and all this resettlement business. So yeah, we're keeping busy, keeping positive.
0: Good stuff. So yeah, I gave you a, a sort of brief intro, which I robbed off LinkedIn, to be honest. So yeah, tell us a bit more uh, about yourself. Where where, where are you where are you up to where are you what are you up to at the moment, um yeah, just a bit more about Gary really.
1: Yeah, brilliant. So, uh, yeah, like you said, I've been in the army for the last twelve years, um more specifically in the Royal Artillery, um, and initially I've I was trained as a as a fire support team commander. So what that is is basically um coordinating airstrikes and artillery on the grounds as well as directing any uh, surveillance equipment, um really enjoyed that job uh, and really lucky to, to sort of deploy operations doing that as well as traveling all around the world um on exercises overseas exercises uh, and then the sort of last five years we'll say so, uh, i moved more into the learning and development sort of side of the, of the armed forces um running the training for my for my unit as a training manager and then like you said i've moved into into uh, running initial training now and um, afford to 14-week packages for, for people aspiring to join the british army uh, which is a, a really rewarding, a really rewarding job. Um, however, um, I hit my 12-year point and made the decision to, to uh, look outside of the forces for further employment. Um, so I'm currently three months into the 12-month uh, resettlement process um, and just really looking at all my options and, and, and trying to find the right role for me. Getting out of the forces. That's fair enough. It seems to be going well. Uh, so
0: far. Yeah, like yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that. Um... So, first of all, why the Army in the first place? That's always a, a nice place to start. What attracted you to the Army?
1: It's actually really... That's quite a funny story, uh, because initially it was um, the RAF that I wanted to join, and I went down to the recruitment office and uh, buzzed, buzzed a buzzer for the RAF, and a guy from the Army answered, uh, who just stole me downstairs and started talking to me about the Army. But it was the Armed Forces in general, and I, I knew I wanted to join... Um, i have been doing a job for five years working as a, as a prison officer, actually, in, in Essex. Um, right. And I was young. I started at 18. I was 23 years old at the time. Um, and I just wanted a job where I could go out and, and really develop myself and go out and see the world. Um, and I think the armed forces offers all of that. Um, so, so that was a, my real key driver for, for, for joining the forces.
0: And did the being a prison officer help, especially in like basic training? Because you, well... You, you knew that that discipline must have been there. You must have had some sort of basic training to be a priv- prison officer, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. So I went through, a, a, I think if I remember rightly, it was a 10-week process to, to join a prison. Uh, nothing like the armed forces. Um, but I think, like you say, it just gives you that mindset that you know what you're walking into. So that was definitely definitely a plus. Um, I was constantly fighting with the recruiters because they were trying to push me down the route, the, the, the Royal Military
0: Police. Uh, which was something that I wanted to to, to step away from, um, but it was definitely a, a help having done that previously. Yeah, cool. So from what you've said, it sounds like you you've enjoyed the army. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, obviously, there's been good and bad like in any job. But what was the was you know the specific moment that you decided to leave? Was it always the plan to leave after twelve years, or you know you had you just had enough, or what? Yeah, what triggered that going wanting to leave?
1: Yeah, so it, it was always a plan to, to, to get to my 12-year point and then have a look at my options. But if I'm being honest, um, sort of nine, ten years in, I, I was of the mindset that I'd be staying in for the full 22, 24 years. Um, but I'd been following, leading up to that point, I'd been going through the process of, of um, trying to become an instructor at Sandhast. Um, and that process is really long. And it took me like four years to get to the point where I was just about to start on the, on the final selection for it. Um, so I went away, spent four years passing, like, regional selections, and then getting all the courses, getting qualified to get there. Um, the week before I was due to start, I broke my leg uh, while I was out walking a dog, which rendered me unfit for the role. So, it, so I couldn't do that. And it, it also left me with a lot of time at home. To, uh, so I was off sick for, for three months while I was recovering. Um, and I just had this plan, this, this plan I'd had for four years. That, that was my whole drive toward, towards my career. It sort of just gone um so i sat at home and started thinking about right where do i go from here what are my options um and for the first time i couldn't decide there was nothing that really you know that excited me um so i started to think okay you know i'm, I'm at my 11 year point now Let, let's start thinking about options outside of the armed forces um and i think that time to reflect was really important because in the forces things can be you know 100 miles an hour for, for, for years at a time and I sat down and I thought, right, I've missed, through through being away with the armed forces, I've missed my little boy's first, second, third and fourth birthdays. Uh, Spent loads of time away from family um, and and really give me a chance to to actually think about what my priorities are. Um, And that led me to realise that actually I'm going to see what's out there and try and make a go of it outside.
0: And what was the reaction from friends and family?
1: Um, It was a real surprise, really. I think I've always framed myself into the forces and come across... Uh, greener and green at work. Um so initially I think they I wasn't really taken seriously. I think they thought that I was unhappy, I was sat at home with a broken leg, feeling sorry for myself, and that once I was back at work that um that, that things would pick up again, I'd get a new opportunity and I'd, I'd be off for my travels again. Um but once they realized that I I was really taking it seriously and and, and you know get, get get my preparation done, they were really supportive, really supportive. Um, as for work as well actually which I, which I wasn't expecting um, once they realized that you know obviously they, they, they tried to, to keep me and, and offer me bits and pieces but once they realized that, that I was on my way out mm. um, they've been really supportive um in, in, in really helping me shape my preparation for, for, for getting out of the forces
0: so you um, pre- logged into Jpa and you've done it what were, what were the first steps on your resettlement journey after that?
1: So, yeah. So once I once I hit the button, I think it was it was really a couple of months before I done that. I started planning um, what it was uh, I was going to do and how I was going to go about attacking resettlement. Um, and the first thing was to just do a bit of research about what sort of job roles one I'd be qualified to go into, and two that I'd like to go into that interested me. So that was really narrowing it down um, to to a few different roles. Uh, from there, it was really important to get my CV right um, before I before I hit the button. Um, which is when I got in touch with the Forces Transition Group, and, and, and they started helping me with my CV. So that, that's really important because I wrote my CV out initially, and um, all my job roles—it was like pl- platoon sergeant, uh, Army Training Regiment Winchester, and uh, you know, regimental career management, officers' assistant—stuff that didn't make sense to, to, to civilians. So um, that was key, and I, I got some real good help from from that, and um, got that sorted.
0: Sorry, i sorry to interrupt. The. the... Like you and I know what the Forces Transition Group are. Can you just explain who and what services they provide to those who may not have heard of them?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, I come across um, John Stevenson on LinkedIn, and he was offering a free CV review, um, which so I, you know, being the position that I was, I snapped up. Um, and what was really different to, him, to, to them about other people that have been offering help with CV was that he was asking for no money. Um, he was ex-forces himself. And rather than offering to write me a CV, he offered to guide me through the process of, of, of writing a CV, um, saying that really that would help me understand how to how to write a CV in the future, going forward, so I wouldn't have to pay for a CV in the in the future. Um, so that first really piqued my interest with him, and then along the way, then it, it, I had a phone call with John, and he explained that they're also doing roadshows, with getting a, you know prospective employers down, so you can speak to them. They're doing interview prep with people, um, at LinkedIn help, um, and really trying to help trying to help service leavers get ahead of the game with resettlement and not leave things till the last minute um so they've been a, a great help and um obviously i've been to their physically to their shows, but what's great now is that they're also doing webinars and continuing to help people uh during during coronavirus
0: um so yeah they've been a real big big help um with me cool yeah so sorry Yeah. carry on so you sort of um got some help with your cv what was the next step yeah, so the next step for me was to make a plan um, about
1: how I was going to go through settlement. and I split it down into phases. Um, initially, like a research phase, uh, where I was going to go out and do all these insight days, um, and I booked you know, all the usual military transition days, I uh, had all of them booked, um, and then get my uh, courses done. So with enhanced landing credits, so I was going to do a number of courses, and a timeline set on that. So by August, I wanted to have all the insight days done, I wanted to have um, all my courses done and really have an idea of, of sort of three or four roles that I wanted to go into so I could start targeting them roles. And then from August to October was going to be my sort of applying for roles and, um, uh, and um, going for interviews sort of stage, looking to gain employment from October onwards. Um, what was also really important to me at this stage was to start using LinkedIn um, and start getting my story out there. Uh, and that, that's for a couple of reasons. One, it, it, it's important to say that I, I didn't use LinkedIn at all until about four months ago, um, and I was encouraged by my boss at the time to, to get on there. And quite quickly, I saw you know, this could be really, really beneficial for me. So, one, I've worked in the armed forces for the last 12 years. I don't know many people out in the, you know, the commercial world. I, I'm going to need to, to start networking. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, the more I started to look into it and the more I started speaking to people... Um, there's loads of veterans out there that, that, that are willing to offer help. And the common theme that I got from them is that they wish that they'd done more in their resettlement. And there's lots of people in there that talk about um, when they was in the forces, but there's not many really people talking about being active in resettlement. So I thought for me, it was just really important to start sharing my story, you know, the highs and lows of, of, of as long as I go. Um, and you know, that, that's had a, a really good response. And, um, you know, within my LinkedIn network, I've got a separate, network of guys that are in resettlement and we're all helping each other out with courses and insight days and you know that, that that's been really good um but of course the plan that I've made um with the current coronavirus pandemic mm. just sort of come crashing down around me because all the inside days that I had booked uh, were cancelled uh, I had an interview planned and I've been uh, rever- referred referred from from a company which got paused their recruitment paused um so that really made me sit down and, and reassess the situation um, so the first, the first thing was that when this broke out was that, that, that my career manager rang me up from the, from the army and was like, look, Gary, if you want to sign back on, we're, advised that you, you, we're advising you to sign back on. We're advising everybody to sign back on. Uh, and I'll tell you now, the majority of people are taking it. Um, so that initially struck doubts with me straight away. Um, so you had to sit down. I didn't, I didn't. I said, I'll get back to him in a few days and sit down and think about things. Um and I sat down and I thought this could be a really good opportunity. You know, I'm going to be working from home or, you know, training's been paused to really sit down and spend more time networking, more time researching, get an interview prep done, the industry research done. So what it's actually done for me is really accelerated my plan. Um, so all the insight days that were cancelled. were moved to webinars or moved online, which was great. So some days that I weren't booked till July, I was, you know, was getting done in March sort of time. Um, so really, I'm now just reacting to, to
0: the situation and, and try, just trying to make the most of it while people are stuck at home and, and, and willing to talk. Yeah. Was there any... um yeah. ner- oh, wait for that to die down. Was there any nervousness when posting on LinkedIn? Because I find a lot of service leavers don't understand the benefits of, you know, sharing content as it, you know, was, was there any nervousness beforehand, or did you just have to do it and then your confidence has been building ever since?
1: No, there, there, was, there was loads of nervousness. So I don't, I, you know, I've got other social media accounts that I very, very rarely post on. Um, I'm not big into social media at all. So I think that it's quite a common theme with, with forces personnel. Mm. Um, but I went on LinkedIn, and my first thing that I'd done was. Um, Start to build a network. I need for me. I thought there's no point in starting to post anything until I've got a few hundred connections on there because people aren't going to see what I'm writing. So, as I was doing that, I was just started to, to look at people's posts, and there was um there was a particular post that somebody put up about leaving the armed forces, um and it just had like the, the response to it was amazing. It had loads of you know hundreds of comments offering help and support, and mm. people you know taking phone calls and meeting for coffees and stuff from that. So that was sort of spiked me to think right, okay. I need to get amongst this I need to start uh, to, to, to really start um, posting on here and, get, and getting some support um, but initially it, it, I, I could feel myself cringing before I hit the post button because it's not something that I do regularly um, but it had a fantastic response so I said that I was going to you put up my post explaining that I'm leaving the Armed forces after, after 12 years but I think that had almost 30,000 views with 100 of comments offering help mm. and when you know, when you follow up them comments these are genuine people that, that, that are that, you know, all them comments were followed up and they help was offered and it, it was just fantastic. So that, so that sort of led me to start or continue
0: to to, to to post on there, continue to network and it's been really beneficial. Have you, you know, uh, taken out the fact of the, the COVID stuff, have you made any mistakes that you would advise other service leavers to learn from so far?
1: Um, yeah, I think initially um, my... One of my mistakes i was making was uh, as i was going for applying for jobs and going for interviews i was naming all the companies that i was applying for and then um i got a message from somebody that just said just hold horses on that we're here they you know, talk about the interviews that you're going for talk about the jobs that you're applying for um but there could be you know that could put off a recruit or if a, if, if a director sees that you're posting about their process that they, they might not like that um so that had been the last really the last month or two to just sort of Edit the way that or revise the way that I have been posted on there. Um, but um, yeah, I think I, th- there was a time as well where I was really, um, I really looked into the algorithm and was really like, right, I've got to post at this time of day, I've got to put this many hashtags in there, I've got to like my own comments, I've got to like this, I've got to like that. And now I'm just a bit more relaxed about it and just think I'm just going to post stuff
0: that, 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 I, that, that I, my thoughts, my, the, the, the stuff that's happening to me, and just if people like it, they like it and, and not stress about it. Oh, mate, that, that's so so good to hear. You know, I think it is a powerful tool. Whether we like social media or not, the market doesn't care <laughs> whether we like to do it or not. I, that, that's the truth, and, you know, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. But it is, the most, it is one of the most powerful tools, or arguably the most powerful tool for someone leaving the armed forces, if used in the right way. There's no point going on there and commenting loads of negative stuff because that's only going to look bad on 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 you, not you as Gary, but you know the person commenting, because recruiters will see that. So so, so yeah, I think you're doing exactly the right thing by being honest, but also um, keeping it as po- yeah keeping it positive like you are as well. So yeah, I tip my my hat to that, and I think anyone leaving the forces should scroll through what you've been posting and just. Not copy it, but you know, take inspiration um, from it. So, yeah what what's the what's the plan now? Where Where are you up to moving forward?
1: So, like I say, everything's really accelerated, really. So, um, with the insight days with the webinars that I've attended and, and, and um, the research that I've been doing and the networking, um, I actually moved. Forward really quickly to the to the applying for jobs and interviewing stage. So there's been a couple of roles that I've interviewed for in the last uh, two weeks, uh, which are really good opportunities. And then two of the companies that I sort of highlighted as as the top companies that I'd, that I'd like to work for going forward. Um, so really now it, it, it's waiting to hear back from them, uh, and if it's positive news, that's great. Uh, if it's not positive news, then it'll
0: be time to to stop reassess and then and then go again. And would you recommend? Um... Highlighting companies you want to work for and niching down to them, because that's you know that's not something I've got experience with. So it'd be cool to hear your thoughts. but
1: well, that said, so yeah, I think there was it's a difficult one, and it's, I was just doing it because I didn't know any better. So I was just name dropping the companies that I was applying for, and when I had an interview with them, I'd say, "I've got an interview with Amazon. This is great." And generally, there there was. What I'd find is there'd be loads of people from that company then send me connection requests and offer help about the uh, the recruitment process and stuff like that. So that was really beneficial. Um, it was only as it started to hit the the interview stage that people were getting in touch with me to say you might want to drop the, the the company name off of here because when you go through the selection process they're going to be looking at your gonna, these guys going to be looking at your LinkedIn and it might put them off that you're so vocal about them. Um, so that just made me reconsider. There's definitely huge benefits to it. Um, for example, when I speak about Amazon, I think they've got over hundred connection requests from people from there, um, and a lot of them offering help. But I also see where people are coming from that I don't. You know, you don't want to upset anybody um,
0: when you're just going through that process. Cool. And what would you um, say, advise? I'm not going to limit it to, to three tips or whatever because we've got plenty of time. But you know, what would you tell Gary or someone in in, in a position similar to you? You know, what would your nuggets of advice be from clicking the button, going through to where you are at the moment? How long have you actually got left?
1: So I've got about six months left okay. in uniform. Cool.
0: So, um, so for yeah. the first six months, what pieces of advice would you would you give?
1: I think the first thing is is before you hit the button, um, just really on, just really make sure that it's what you want, and, and do a bit of research, look into. Look into the roles will you be suitable for roles. If you're not, how can you get there? Um, and, and really do your research before you hit the button. Um, I think as you hit the button, the second bit of advice would be realise that you own your resettlement and that nobody's going to tell you what to do. Uh, I think a, a theme that I've seen of talking to other people that are on, or, that are in resettlement have been a lot of people were expecting somebody to tell them what to do, and I think that's that's normal because whether you've been in the army or, or the armed forces for four years, twelve years, twenty-four years, you've spent all your time there. Being told what to do, you're told where your next person is, you're told what your next job's going to be. All of a sudden, it's all on you. And I think you you really need to understand that and and, and create a plan from that. Um, And then the third thing would be just be flexible. Um, Because like I say, you know, I wrote my plan out and it was covered up for the year. And I really have quite a military position in how I've done it. Um, Actually... Don't turn down opportunities if they arise because it doesn't suit your plan, or if you've got you know, bend to the left and work a bit harder to get somewhere, then just do it, go with it and, and, and just seize any opportunity that, that, that comes up.
0: Okay. Um yeah, I didn't I didn't pre warn you about this question, but it's just come to mind now. Um, are there any specific courses, workshops that you've been on that you would recommend to anyone? Not just because it was a good instructor, but you actually got value from like the the course. Is, is there any that you spring to mind?
1: I think that no, of course I'd definitely go back to the, the, the forces transition group again and say uh, definitely attend one of the roadshows or the webinars because really that's what spikes me into into action really. And so I was lucky that I went into it I went to uh, the road show when i was maybe two weeks after I'd hit the button. Um and I stood up there and there's guys that were you know in the sort of position that I am now with a sort of a few months into reset and. And they was sharing their success stories it was really you know that, that, and, that, and that was great because you're hearing it firsthand um definitely get, get yourself on, on one of the webinars and then um with the courses i think just it, it, the courses that i've done so far resettlement have all been based around what it is that is i'm looking to get into so into project management um which have all been great but again i'd say ask for help on linkedin with that because there's guys and girls that have been through this process, now recommend places to go and do that course, and, uh, and you know the best way to get around it. So just ask for help with that, because uh, there'll be people willing to offer their advice.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, that's exactly yeah. spot on. There's there's so many people trying to to sell courses, but it, which is fine. Like I haven't got a problem with that, but it has to be the right course for the individual. I think that's the that's the biggest thing. There's no point doing a. I don't know a locksmith course when you want to be a, an IT project manager. Just because someone's offering it for seventy five percent off or whatever, and it, you know if you're going to invest time in your career, invest it in, in the right um, the right sort of educational um, courses or workshops or whatever they may be. Um, yeah, anything else you want to uh, share, Gary? Uh,
1: I think it's I think one one that I want to talk about courses actually just just. Uh Spot, memory. So I think it's important as well to to not be hard on yourself if your plan changes. So originally I had this plan and I planned out at the start of a segment, I'm going to do these these four courses and then once I'm out, I'm going to use my next sort of ELCs when I'm out to do this course. And actually what I found is that my decision, based on the more that i learn about companies and, 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 and the outside world, my um, decisions have changed. And even more recently, I'm now looking at doing half of my courses on project management and the other half on potentially getting a, a level, level seven diploma and something, so that I'm, where, where I ha- as I haven't got a degree, and that can hold some people back from certain companies, um, that will give me the equivalent, so potentially I could chuck my hat in the ring for other jobs. Um, but I had a real internal struggle with myself about that, because I was like, right, you've only got three lots of in-house learning credits, we need to make the most of them, you want to get into project management, do all the courses of project project management, but then, you know, you've got to look at the, You've got to be realistic and think, what if this doesn't go wrong? I'm going to give myself a backup option as well. Um, so, yeah, just don't beat yourself up if your plan changes and just go with it.
0: Yeah, cool. Like I've said, I think, a couple of times now, I think you're doing exactly the right thing. It's nice to see someone taking taking it, you know, by the scruff of the neck, for want of a better phrase, sharing your story. I think a lot of people will get value from, from your insight. Um, yeah. Thanks very much for your time, and I wish you all the luck in the future. Thank you very much for having me.